This is Working the Beat. It is Friday, June 17, 2022. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Mr. Kern will join us later on in the show. Uh, good show on tap. Uh, leading off will be the Hall of Famer, Jason Stark. We'll talk a little Phillies. We'll talk about the state of baseball here as we hit the midpoint of June. About seven weeks away from the trade deadline. Philly's playing extremely well right now in the middle as we record this of a good old-fashioned day-night doubleheader down in uh, the nation's capital. Big road trip coming up here. You know, they're in the second and third games in D.C. of five. Then they go to Texas for two, and that's a series you think you should probably at least split. And then you go to a big one in San Diego next weekend. Uh, when the schedule starts to ramp up again. But the Phillies obviously playing well since the change in manager from Joe Girardi to Rob Thompson. We'll talk to Jason about that and what is on tap with that. Then Mr. Kern will join us second half of the show. We'll talk a little bit about the Golden State Warriors who have won four NBA titles in eight years and ended the Celtics' dream last night of number 18 uh, the war. This is as impressive as it gets. What the Warriors just did, because they were awful the last two years, and there were serious questions about whether their time had come and gone. And you know, sure enough, they get healthy with Tom Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. Remember, only played five games that one year <clears throat> before the pandemic, and when they only won fifteen, they ended up with the number one pick. Um, and they've managed to turn it around. They rescued Andrew Wiggins and. They are back on top, and uh, so Mike and I will talk about that. The Flyers have hired John Tortorella. Uh, his press conference is actually going on. As I'm recording this at 2.20, so his press conference is going on now, the Zoom conference, and uh, I- I'll be honest. I heard the first 15 minutes of it, and it's going to be entertaining. Uh, Torts, is, uh, Torts is a different kind of guy, and I think it's something that Flyer fans will enjoy if the team turns it around a little bit. And uh, so that's pretty much where we're standing here as we, oh, and we'll also talk U.S. Open because it, and the live golf uh, thing with Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and that whole crew who have taken huge amounts of money and put pressure on the PGA Tour. Um, so Mr. Kern and I will get into that. But when we come back, it will be Jason Stark Talking Phillies and Major League Baseball. Nothing like that on a Father's Day weekend. We'll talk about it next. We're going to be continues right after these messages. And joining us now, uh, the 2019, which feels forever ago, by the way, (laughs) winner of the uh, Baseball Writing Excellence Award, used to be the J.G. Taylor Spink Award. It's uh, got a new name now. Uh, The pride of the Philadelphia Inquirer, the pride of (laughs) Abraham Lincoln High School. We got another Lincoln guy on the show here. As a judge guy, I feel overwhelmed. Um but uh, one of the good people in our business, uh, it's from The Athletic. 
It's Jason Stark and NMLB Network. Jason Stark. Jason, how are you? Kevin, I'm doing great, my friend. How is everything? Oh, it's great. These are nice days around here. I mean, you know, the baseball team's playing well. You know, everybody believing that they still have a shot again. I mean, they were headed towards <laughs> uh, the first question. Boy, they were headed towards an abyss after that Giants series when they fired Joe Girardi. Uh, how much of that do you think influenced the decision that Dave Dombrowski, it was the only card Dave Dombrowski had to play at that time, right? Uh, changing managers? Changing managers. Uh, obviously, he thought so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I think that told us a lot, Kevin, about how what the sense of urgency is that they all feel about this season. This is a win-now team. And so they they can't afford to just let any season at this point go by without doing everything that they can do to win. It's Bryce Harper's prime. It doesn't go on forever. <laughs> um, it's the highest payroll in the history of the franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you can always go higher, but it's year one of Castellanos. It's year one of Schwarber. Uh, there's a lot riding on this. Um, a lot of things are up in the air after this year. So this is a really important season and changing managers is a reminder of just how important. Um, so I don't know that it was the only card, but considering what the date was on the calendar, it was the only thing that obviously made sense to Dave at that time. And the one thing with the calendar, you brought this up. I mean, they had gone through a brutal stretch there, you know, with Padres and Dodgers and Mets and Braves and, even the Giants in that in that series before the firing. After the firing here, they've not to diminish what they've done, but there's been a lot of the Angels that were struggling. They caught the Angels at the right time, and they caught the Brewers at the right time. And you know the Marlins are not <laughs> the Marlins are not world beaters. I mean, you know, going through this Arizona and now Washington. It's not a, it was not bad timing to do it at that point to give Rob Thompson a little bit of a soft launch. Yeah, correct? I think they were aware of the schedule yes. was about to turn. Uh, I do think that was part of this. Uh, but what you're stating is just a simple fact. They played the hardest schedule in the league up until that point. It still rates as the toughest strength of schedule in the entire National League so far. But that changes now. Um you know, the schedule that the Phillies have now is the schedule the Mets had early. And the schedule the Phillies have now, uh, if it had then, is the schedule the Mets have now. And so I think that's one of the reasons that you've seen a tightening of the division is the National League is filled with bad teams. And eventually, everybody gets to play them. It's just kind of fascinating that the way it worked out because the schedule got rearranged because of the lockout, 20% of their last hundred games are or last 99 games are against the nationals. And like those, that's something that good teams need to take advantage of. Yeah. And you know, Washington has a lot of questions, obviously moving forward too, but, and so you don't know what the nationals in August and September are going to look like compared to what they look like now. Yes, exactly. Right. I, it's not going to get better. No, 
No, I mean, you know, there's the Soto question, which I know Rizzo's trying to shoot down, but it's going to be out there, I think, right through I, the day. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, he's not going to get traded, but Josh Bell's going to get traded. Nelson yeah. Cruz is going to get traded. Um, Cesar. <laughs> you could see Cesar Hernandez. Find, if they could find, find somebody, somebody you could, take you him. Could take yeah. Him, yeah. But anybody on their team outside of Soto uh, who has any trade value is going to get traded. It just. That's just where they are in the process. Soto, I think they do with him exactly what they did with Bryce Harper, and that's just ride it out. Right. Um, I mean, they they talked about trading Bryce at the deadline this last year. Didn't do it. Um, I think the difference is they're not even going to be remotely in contention as Soto's final season before free agency approaches. Maybe that'll change the equation. Especially with the uncertainty about their ownership situation there, too. That's the other. Well, that's a big part of this. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back to the Phillies. You know, look, the holes that were there with Joe Girardi are still there. I mean, defensively, they're still awful. Um, you know, their bullpen, obviously, Corey Knable got pushed back to a lesser role for the time being to work on some stuff. Um, there's no way they can fill all this. By by August second is no, they're not built to. No, they have no minor league system to really draw from at this point. Right. Okay. Here's, you know, here's how I've been trying to frame this, Kevin. Um, And that is, you know, what you just said. I've heard people say this a lot. It's true. Firing Joe Girardi did not fix their flaws. No argument. (laughs) But here's the thing: I don't think that he got fired because of the flaws. He got fired because this team didn't play to its strengths. It was never built to catch the ball. It was built to pound people and make the defensive stuff not show up the way it was showing up when they couldn't score. And, you know, if you just think about that approach to team building, it makes sense. If if you score early, if you get the lead, if you put the game in the hands of your starting pitchers, who are real good, by the way. Yeah, they um, are. You know, if you look at, look at the advanced data, it shows that the Phillies rotation has been the best rotation in the league. And so if you score early, if you put the game in the hands of your best pitchers or your relievers, I mean, or your starters, and then your best relievers, because you don't need those other guys, that's a formula that you can win with. Um, if you don't score, now, what does that mean? You can't take your bad defenders out of the game ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so that shows up. Uh, the guys who wind up pitching in relief are the guys that you would least want to see in there in tight spots. And that's what we saw from the Phillies for two months. What we've seen since then is they played the way they were designed to play. So then the question becomes, is this a formula that you can win with? I've talked to Dave about this. I've talked to other people around baseball about this. And, you know, there's a really interesting comp in how this team was built to teams that Dave Dombrowski built in Detroit. 2012, 13, 14 Tigers were built along this same model. Bash you, thrash you, thump your way to October, have great starting pitching, hope that the bullpen doesn't get in the way. Hope that the defense doesn't get in the way. And one of those teams made a World Series in the in 2012. That, that's exactly right. And that's Dave's point is that, okay, we didn't win a World Series, but you can't convince him 
that those teams weren't capable of winning a World Series with that model. And so some of this is he inherits a roster that's dysfunctional from Matt Klintak. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was going to be very difficult in two really bizarre off seasons, by the way, because one of them, he's not hired till December. <laughs> and then the other one, there's a lockout. Right. So we can't do anything for three months. Uh, in those two off seasons, it wasn't possible to completely overhaul this roster. What was possible was to double down on the strengths that they already had, which were middle of the order bats, top of the rotation starters. And so that's the team that they built. There are going to be games where the defense shows up. (laughs) There are going to be games where the bullpen undoes all the good stuff. Um, That the bullpen part of it is something that they'll clearly try to address. But the most important thing is for them to play to their strengths and hit and keep those five starting pitchers healthy. And the problem if you're looking in the bullpen market, we always say this every year, but maybe more so now. If you're looking at the trade deadline at the bullpen market with the extra wild card, it's going to be more difficult maybe than ever because there's going to be more teams that feel like, whether it's legit or not, they can get hot and get into that third wild card. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, um, you know, as I've, it's, it, we haven't seen any serious trade talk this year. Um, and it's the middle of June. Get, we're, heading toward late June. And last year, if you remember, the Brewers traded for Willie Adamas, mm-hmm. what, two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> um, Beginning of different. June. And w- what we're finding is you have a lot of teams uh, who aren't certain what they are. The Phillies, I think, two weeks ago would have been one of those teams. Um, and in a year where now there are 12 teams, there are three wild cards in each league, it changes the evaluation process. The other thing to remember, this is really important, is that the, if you're a wild card, you used to have one your game. entire season decided by three hours right. in one game. And now it's best of three, which means if you if you think you're really good and built for the postseason, your chances are different. They're better than they are in a one-game coin toss. And so that's going to keep more teams from just selling off. And so what we've got is what looks to be a market with fewer sellers, more potential buyers, and the sellers that exist see no reason to start selling now because they think there'll be such a frenzy for the few good players who are available in the first week of August, last week of July. So, I mean, stay tuned. But I, I think there'll be bullpen out there, but there's there really are not going to be a lot of difference makers out there as it looks right now. Jason Stark from The Athletic joining us here on Working the Beat. If the Phillies decide to start tinkering on the edges, okay, um, the problem for them, though, is what pieces do they have to move? I don't think they're going to get rid of Logan Ohampi. I don't see them getting rid of Mick Abel. I mean, those are probably the first two names on a lot of lists. And Andrew Painter, right? And, and Andrew Painter would be there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, would they um, move would they move somebody like a Reese Hoskins at this point? No. That's no? a that's an off season type decision. Okay. Um, you know, when in the off season they're gonna have to rethink their entire infield. Yeah. Um because they don't have a second baseman, they don't have a shortstop under well, they have Stott well, Bryson, for one of those spots. Yeah, Bryson yeah. Stott would figure to be the shortstop. But yeah. 
You get the picture. Right. Um, they've got to decide the future of all four of those guys plus Stott in this offseason. Um, it, it's really hard to forecast <laughs> what Dave will do because how serious a contender are they going to be in a month? Um, are they going to be fighting the Mets for first place, Mets and Braves for first place? Or are they, are, are they fighting for that, one of those last two wildcard spots? I think that determines how aggressive they would get. Um, and the wildcard, uh, sorry to interrupt you on this, Jason, yeah. but that wildcard, you know, Gelb and I were having lunch the other day and we were, we were doing the numbers. The Giants are the third wildcard right now. They're on a 92-win pace. Can this team get to a 92-win pace at this point? I don't know. Well, if they, I mean, if they, if you, if you win every series, you can. That's <laughs> what they've been doing. Yeah, now. but eventually they, they will they stop. Managers. Especially they, at some point, they will stop winning every series. You would think. Well, good. I mean, good teams win series. Yes. They don't win every series, but they oh, win yeah. the majority of their series, and that's what the Phillies need to do. Uh, it's a tall order when you dig as big a hole as they dug to dig out of it. That's why you don't, you know, to, to, to get themselves in the position they were in when Joe got fired, I wrote, a, I just assessed where they were realistically, and they had basically zero chance to catch the Mets. Twelve and a half behind, mm-hmm. they've never come from that far back in any season. They were, what, seven and a half in the wild card at that point? Yep. I think they've only had one season where they ever made the playoffs that far back. It was one of those years they caught the Mets. Yeah, it was seven. Just the odds tell you how difficult it it's always been, how difficult it's going to be, given the hole that they dug for themselves. But it's a miracle that two weeks later, it seems so much more realistic than it seemed then. I mean, when, you know, when I computed the chances then of them getting to, I, I think at that point, the Giants were projected to win 90 three or four, they would have had to play at a play at a pace the rest of the season that only two teams in Philly's history had ever played at in the last, in, in a 110 game stretch, the, the 76 and 77 101 win teams right. did that, but no other team in the history of the franchise had ever played at that rate, including the 2011 team. Right. And so that was a scary number, but now like that's irrelevant because they've dug out of that hole. They're in the, you know, they're north of 500 now. All you can do is play the games and the series ahead of you. And the next month, I think, will determine how long the odds are and how, and th- those odds will determine how aggressive Dave will be. But like, I, you know, just from talking to Dave, I, I, I just don't get the sense that he is going to give away the best of that system unless it's something that fixes a problem really long-term. Mm-hmm. And if you tell me who's on this market this this year Nobody. that can do that, uh, we can have that conversation. But this does not seem to be that kind of market. Does that indicate then that not just Dave's in it for the long haul, but John Middleton, who we all believe is antsy a lot, is in it to let Dave in the long haul and maybe won't has, has kind of reined himself in a little bit here. Uh, yes. Um, like from what I'm hearing, 
John has complete trust in Dave Dombrowski to do what he's always done, which is win everywhere he's right. ever been. And he is staying out of the way. We don't see him at the press conferences anymore. He was not at the Joe Girardi press conference, correct? I was out of town. He was, but, he was not. Um, not there anywhere. Not on the. Not at the podium. Not even standing or sitting in the back. Uh, it's been a really long time since they held a major press conference that he did not even attend, mm-hmm. and that is telling us something. Uh, he is really letting Dave run the show, and even Sam Fold, who's the general manager. Look, Sam is involved. There are other people there who are involved. That Dave picks their brain all the time, but. It's always been Dave Dombrowski's style to own it, mm-hmm. to make the big decisions, um, to, to, to rely on his lifetime of feel for players, for teams, for moments, for seasons. And John Middleton has 100% trust in Dave to do that. So just bear that in mind as things, things go along. I, I think when they, when it comes time to decide who's going to manage the 2023 Phillies, I think that still applies. It's win now who helps us win now, whether it's Rob Thompson or Joe Madden or some other big name who may be out there. And in, in July and August, who helps them win now in Dave Dombrowski's view, these are his decisions. It's what he's doing here. And certainly what Rob Thompson's doing now is not hurting him towards next year let's be <laughs> no i think if you if you had an interest in ever being a manager uh winning 80 percent of your the games, games is probably good the interim manager that like that would probably work well hell joe morgan made a lot of money up in boston that way if you remember right you know there's a lot of similarities there between is the, uh, joe Ma- uh, joe morgan story and the uh the rob thompson story when i first started learning to cover baseball Joe, and I was working at the Providence Journal as Jim Salisbury did <laughs> not so long after me. The manager of the Pawtucket Red Sox was Joe Morgan. I learned a lot about baseball from Joe. And Joe, Joe had gotten to the point where he thought, I'm never going to manage in the big leagues. And then he did. And what happened? He won 12 in a row. 12 and 0. Yeah. <laughs> and they, it seemed like they were never going to lose. And they got to the playoffs after a really mediocre start. And it's very much what we've seen with Rob Thompson. Rob does not have a big personality. I mean, Joe is a character, but Rob doesn't have a big personality, but he has a very even keel personality and he's very relatable. Um, so you've gone from a, from a atmosphere where like, I, I, I really like Joe Girardi a lot. I've worked with him and I've known him forever since he was a player, but as the losing went on, it was written all over his face how yeah. tight he was wound and players feel it kevin we've all worked for bosses who when they're uptight we're uptight i think that was happening and rob has come in he's removed that part of the equation mm-hmm. he's also way more relatable to players at which they appreciate uh he's shown incredible faith and patience in their younger players which has reaped dividends um it's a it's a lot of the reason for why he succeeded the way he has. And, you know, sometimes you see a guy in one light when he's a coach and then he becomes the manager and you see him in a different light. So that's not always good. Ryan Sandberg's case. It was not good. Thank you for that flashback. I appreciate that. (laughs) 
He lived it. Uh, Ryan Sandberg walked in the door so confident and exactly sure of what he needed to do to be great at that job. And by spring training the next year, it was done. (laughs) Done. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as he criticized Jimmy Rollins and Jimmy criticized him back, he didn't know what to say. He didn't know how to handle that group. And it would just spiral from there. I, I honestly don't foresee that kind of thing happening with Rob because he's too sensible mm-hmm. and he com- he he connects with players so much better. You mentioned guys who were uptight and everything. That was one of Boa's faults as a manager. Of course. I mean, <laughs> Boa was great in motivating teams, that, <laughs> but at a certain point, they sensed how tight he was, and that's why in September's they did not play well, I always thought, when, when everything got a little uh, tighter. Yeah, I mean, look, Larry raised the bar for the franchise when he became the manager, and that was really important. I mean, they that's when they stopped being doormats because right. Larry Boa walked in the door, and that mattered. But um, what happened with him it was the old jackhammer. Was the old jackhammer up the butt? Uh, the nail, uh, the jackhammer up the butt. If you know what, it, if I yeah. screwed up the term, but yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that no. picture that you just <laughs> painted, but it, like the fundamental rule of managerial hirings and firings always apply. Yeah. Uh, the, the Whatever kind of manager you just fired, you hire the opposite. So Larry was uptight, um, needed something different, right? Yeah. Here, here comes Charlie Manuel. That's right. Uh, and Joe is uptight. Here comes something totally different in Rob Thompson. And it's why you do it. It's why you make those changes and why you pick the people to replace those people that you do. And Dave's done it a lot. He hadn't fired a lot of managers, but he knows how that game works. I want to get to a couple quick general MLB topics here before we let you go. Uh, are the Yankees ever going to lose again? <laughs> uh, no. That's the right answer. They're going to win 130. They might. I mean, I had a note in my weird wild column. I mean, they are, they are incredible right now with the way they're playing. Incredible. Uh, Unstoppable. You don't, I mean, the the Rays just couldn't contain them. And I had a note in my most recent weird and wild column about how, you know, baseball teams, we don't see baseball teams playing to a winning percentage of 730, 750, 760. Mm -hmm. Basketball teams do that. Hockey teams do that. Baseball teams never do. So it, led me down one of my famous rabbit holes. And I realized that the Yankees had a better winning percentage than either team in the NBA finals and either team in the Stanley, <laughs> Stanley Cup, Cup finals. finals. <laughs> and that that's only happened right, since the NBA ABA merger. That's only happened with two other teams. One was really? the 98 Yankees that won 114 games. Right. The other was with the 2001 Mariners that won 116 games. And this team is beginning to elevate itself into that conversation. But that one just won the World Series. One didn't. Well, and I was just going to say, but this all ratchets up the pressure on Aaron Boone and company that, you know, look, 11, you know, 12 years without a World Series in the Bronx seems like forever. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, they, you know, they, ha- they, they have a standard for success that they have decided upon, which I never recommend, which is if you don't win the world series, the season is a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like that is just not a good atmosphere to play under, but that's what they've been all about um, for a really long time. And so does that apply this year? It's starting to apply. Now what's, what could go wrong? 
Okay, that's what you're asking about the Yankees, I mm-hmm. think. Here's what I see. I know they've had some internal conversations about this. It's much like the Phillies in that what like their starting pitching has pitched great. Right. But what happens when you start looking at these guys and you realize that the health his, history of, of Jameson Tyon and Luis Severino isn't good. Right. Nestor Cortez has never pitched 120 100. innings in any season. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to win the World Series, they're all going to have to pitch. Let's see, do the math here. Five more months. We're going into November. How are they going to navigate that? Now, they built a big cushion, kind of like what the Mets went through when they lost the, the they'd already lost to Grom and now lose Scherzer. Scherzer right. Um, you know, if you it gives you a lot of margin for error, which the Mets have now been using. That will be the Yankees at some point. Um, they're gonna have to figure out how to navigate through the season with these pitchers. And what's behind them isn't the same. Are are the are is the well, a couple other teams, the White Sox, are they the biggest disappointment in a way right now? For sure. Clearly the biggest disappointment. And in, in that sense, sport. Is Tony Larusa? Look, him and Jerry Reinsdorf had their relationship where Jerry loves him like a bro, like a son. Although I guess they're about brothers, I guess age if you think about it. But I mean, Tony's taking a lot of heat, and rightly so in a lot of cases. But I mean, where's this go? Okay, so you're asking me, could Tony Larusa get fired? Probably not. Uh, I, you know, it's not a normal situation. No. You just explain why because. If the owner hired him, and so the owner has to fire him. If this was a normal situation, and the and the GM and the president of baseball ops were in charge, I think he would have already been fired. When the when the town turns on him the way it has, when the season has gone the way it's gone, we've just lived it in our town. You know right. what the circumstances are where managers usually get fired, but these are not the, no. those circumstances because it's the owner's call. And so I don't think he's going to get fired. Could he get fired? Could they have a mutual decision to part? Um, anything is possible if they keep playing like this, but as they get healthier, maybe they'll get better. And so if that's the way this lines up, he's got a lot of rope is what I think. Um, How comfortable should the Mets feel with the Braves kind of breathing down their throat right now? Well, I mean, we talked about the Phillies schedule, right? Braves. Look at who the Braves have played through this winning streak. And um, I think you can explain it a lot easier that way, but rather than look at the winning streak, rather than even look at the standings, Look at the two rosters and tell me whose team you'd rather have one to 26. I would take the Braves. I would take the Braves easy. I also think the Braves have a, a room full of people, a roster full of people who have won, who know how to win, who are all about winning. I've spent so much time around that team. And the culture of that group is what do we need to do to win, to win today? They have great GM in Alex Anthopoulos who will fill any hole somehow or other has a tremendous feel for the clubhouse and the, and the, and the GM business. Um, I, I mean, I would take Buck Showalter. I would take 
DeGrom and Scherzer over whoever their one, two is, if that ever happens. Right. Um, but one to 26, the Braves are better. So I think they're both playoff teams. Um, it'll be interesting to see who winds up winning the division. I, I mean, you should pick the team that's four and a half games ahead, right? But you should, but I, Brave, but the, the Braves, Braves are closed so much ra- ground in the last three weeks. It's not being yeah. funny. Ten and a uh, half to four and a half. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, are the can the Padres really beat the Dodgers out? Uh, you know we we've underestimated how good the Padres pitching is. Right. Um, it's but without Tatis, it's yeah. going to be difficult. I well, would think. Yeah, they're offensively challenged yeah. without him. He's coming back. I, I can't tell you when now. He's had a little setback, but he's coming back. And the thing about the Padres pitching is not just it's good, it's deep. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, they, they're they going seven starters deep. And if they can keep all, all healthy, they're actually going to go through at least one turn of a seven-man rotation uh, in these in these next couple of weeks when they're just bombarded with games and double headers and no off days. Um, and that's an advantage that very few teams have where you have that kind of depth and that kind of quality. It also gives you a reservoir to to make a big deal from if you need to. So, again, if you're going to do roster 1 to 26, that you take the Dodgers roster, and not just 1 through 26, but depth, you know, people to call up and plug in and ability to do that and an ability to trade some of them. But in the Dodgers rotation is not what they envisioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so are Tony Gonsolin and uh, Tyler Alexander, are they going to go the whole season and never lose? Yeah, probably I, I am not. Tyler Anderson in it. Right. I, I'm, I'm going to take the, uh, the under on that. Um, last question. I'll give you three cities. You tell me if their franchise is still in them in 2026. Ready? Tampa Bay. Okay. Tampa Bay. Uh, Yes. With a new ballpark? Yes. Well, it at least runs through 27. It'll be close. Okay. But Okay, go ahead. I'll say yes. All right. Oakland. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Baltimore. 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 Oh, yes. Okay, so now let me talk about those. Tampa Bay and Oakland. Major League Baseball does not want those teams to move. Okay. Uh, They want the A's to be in Oakland. They want the Rays to be in Tampa Bay. They believe that baseball in the the right park, in the right spot in Oakland will be a huge hit. I don't want to give up that market. And they believe that, whether we all agree or not, baseball in in a great park with a retractable dome in Tampa near the center of the population base of that area, which is Tampa, which is Tampa, which is one of the, which is one of the fastest growing urban areas in the Southeast. And um, it's a much younger dynamic than what they've got in St. Pete, even though St. Pete is also morphing. Um, Put the, you put those two teams in in great ballparks in the center of the population area of those two cities, it succeeds. And so they don't want the A's to move to Vegas. They don't want the Rays to move to Nashville. They want to expand 
to Vegas and Nashville. And I'm not even 100% sold on Vegas because there's a lot of issues with Vegas. As for Baltimore, I, you know, that, that thing all welled up because... Family fight. Family fight. John Angelus, where does he live? Not in Baltimore anymore. He lives Nashville. in Nashville. Right. And so Nashville wants a team. Um, he's aware of it. Everybody's aware of it. But it's another spot where baseball will not let that happen. Nashville will get an expansion team at some point. But, you know, that's if, here's what's going to happen. When they go to 32 teams, Kevin, um, it'll be geographical realignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to do that, you need a team in the southeast and you need a team somewhere in the west. Um, the expansion fee for those two teams, whenever this happens, will be monstrous. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be $2 billion or $3 billion or whatever it is, but um, this could happen in Vegas. This could happen in Nashville. If you leave Oakland and go to Vegas, if you leave Tampa Bay and go to Nashville, and it eliminates those cities from the bidding for the $3 billion expansion franchise, no! no. Baseball doesn't want that to happen. So, I, like, it takes a while for the pieces on the chessboard to play the game. But this is where I'm certain it's leading. It would be a sin to a Baltimore ever, ever left Camden Yards, that ball, the 30 yes. years now. It, and it's such a deep history. And I know they haven't been good in like 20 years, but yeah, they're a testament to mismanagement Yeah, on and off the field. But that doesn't mean it's not still a sleeping giant, but just one of the coolest ballparks in the sport still. Yeah. And a city that's just desperate to win. Yeah. Um, I don't like. I don't know if the Angelos family is going to sell, but if the, if that happened, that would be another impetus for the fan base to re-embrace the team. It would. Right? J- Jason Stark, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back on Work on the Beat right after these messages. Jason Stark for joining us. Uh, some interesting comments, obviously, on the Phillies, and uh, you know, an interesting time. We recorded this in the afternoon, um, and of course, the Phillies took Game One of the doubleheader on Friday. They are in the eighth inning now and tied at five. So, uh, as we're recording this, so uh, that's the Phillies story. Who they have played very well. Braves have played really well as well. And so that's kind of where they stand at this point. And I'll give Mr. Kern credit. Hello, Michael. Uh, you called this. You said they would find a way back into the race. Not th- yeah, not this fast, though. No. I, I can't. I can't. I All I said was that around Labor Day or whatever, when they're heading in September, like I said with the Eagles last year, they're going to be in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to get there. I, you know, who knows? I, I do know this. They played the Nats. Like fifteen more times, uh, Jason. Or, as or, Jason or, said, twenty percent of their schedule remaining is against the Nats. Yeah, and and, and the Nats stink. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, I mean, they, they might win all five games this week. I uh, who, who would bet against you know? Uh, I mean, if if they can keep Soto, God bless them. Because if I was him, I'd want out there so bad, it'd make their head spins. Well, you know, the other thing. The one thing that's interesting, though, and, and I mentioned this, and then we'll move on to other topics. Um, 
if you look, the third wild card in the National League belongs to the Giants right now. And they're playing in 92-93 win pace. So either somebody's going to have to come back to the pack here or the Phillies are going to have to keep this run up. Well, paces change. I mean, yeah. you know, Kevin, lots of things change. The Braves were a 500 team at the All-Star break. Um, you know, uh, are the Phillies going to play 650 ball the rest of the year? I, I don't know. But who I'm says kind of doubt it, but yeah, I hear you. Well, if they're playing the Nats 15 more times, I mean, you know, you should you could win 12 of them, 11 of yeah. them. I don't know. Uh, uh, I mean, look, there's there's probably a win number you got to get to. Yeah. So before the year, I thought they'd be like around an 86 win team. I wasn't sure if that was going to be good enough. Right now, it looks like you're going to probably need around 90. Yep. Or and you know, but again, you know, the Braves are going to be missing Albies for two months. Um, you know, what moves are the Phillies going to make? I'm not, I don't know what Jason said, but I am not, it's kind of like when I look at the Sixers, like, okay, the, we know the Phillies could use some things. How are they going to get those things? Well, that, and that was one thing we had talked about with Jason. Yeah. And it's not easy and you have to see where they are. Well, you got to make sure that you're getting, you know, you don't have minor league people to give. I don't think maybe they do. Maybe, maybe I'm well, they not got Logan O'Hoppy and Mick Abel and all that, but I don't see them going. That so route. you so you have to hope a team is willing to and then you know if all these other teams are in it yeah they're it's going to be tough players to, too right it's going to be tough to unload it and yeah so all right we could go a couple different directions let me start with the obvious one you go with whatever direction you want to go okay John Tortorella is the new coach of the Flyers something we talked about when Vino was canned back in December whenever that was um. Good hire, bad hire, or does it really not matter? Well, of course it matters because you know you, you're you're. Well, he's not to... a miracle worker, is what I'm. I guess I'm. Well, who who is? That's the I point. Mean, I mean, when they went and got Vigneault, and I don't know if their team three years ago was better than the team is now. I guess you could make that argument, but he was bought in and he made a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went to the first year; they were good. <laughs> you know. And then you have the second year, which was the COVID year, and they hit that COVID, and then then they weren't good, and they've never recovered from that. And now they stink, but, uh, you know, the one thing Tortorella will do, and again, like like a lot of guys who get hired in hockey, you have a shelf life, supposedly. And he talked Um, about that today. He was very honest about that. Yeah, and I mean, the Bruins coach that got fired after making the playoffs. He makes the playoffs six straight years. Almost wins a cup, and now he's with um, Las Vegas, who, you know, Las Vegas had been pretty good, and then I guess didn't make the playoffs this year. Uh, but anyway, so he's going to he's going to fit into this town, right? We love guys like Tortorella. He's going to he's going to he's going to tell reporters off. He's going to tell it like it is, but and they'll probably be better next year. I, I mean, can't be worse. <laughs> well, I had a friend of mine who actually told me that he and he's a big flyer guy. He wants them to tank next year because apparently in next year's draft, right. there's like three or four guys. One One's a guy from either Eastern Europe or Russia or somewhere who's who's really good, supposedly. I don't know. You know usually the Flyers end up with Van Reensdyke, right? right? But, but So I don't want to see the Flyers tank next year, and I don't think their fans want to see them tank. I would not be shocked. And this is – I know nothing about nothing, Kevin. I wouldn't be shocked if the Flyers made the playoffs next year. Like, as – as like the last team, 
you know, and the East is tough. I mean, you know, the, the Isles didn't make the playoffs this year and Trotz lost his job, which was kind of weird. But, you know, I, I, it's just the way hockey is sometimes, you know. I could be totally wrong. No, I, and I know where you're going with this. My argument would be you got to be better in front of the goaltender. And the goaltender could steal you a playoff berth. You're right. If if he's at the top of his game. That's asking a lot stuff. Well, you, you also... Let, let's be honest, Kevin. You watch these teams that are playing late. Oh, they're not close to the level no, 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 of anybody. No, no. You yeah. need people that can put the puck in the net. The Flyers have none of those guys. Yeah, There's no guy that scares you when you're playing the Flyers that, oh, my God, this guy could, could do something. Uh, you know, Their leading scorer, I think, had 21 goals. Now, they had injuries. While I, while I don't disagree with you on that, Mike, the most important asset they have right now is Carter Hart. And, oh, I get no. And, you're and, right. And if he has another year where he slips back into the three six three seven goals against average kind of area, that's a problem. Well, look, I, I hear Kevin. Believe me, I hear what you're saying. But and and to me, the biggest disappointment again. I'm not. I don't watch every Flyers game. I listen to a lot of people that know the team a lot better than I do. But the, when I watch, to me, the biggest disappointment on this team or one is Provorov. I mean, here's a guy who I would unload him. I would get rid of him. This well, yeah, but what are you going to get for him? I, you I know am, what? Almost addition by subtraction. Kevin, almost every game I watched last year, and here's a guy who's still young. So he gave away the puck in his end yep. that led to a goal. I mean, like every game I watched, and I'm like, no, he's got to be better than that. Um, what alarms yeah, me? What alarms me is he didn't think he was bad. Well, hey, look, that's that's what Tortorella's for. Okay, Tortorella was brought in here to kick ass. He is he is example A1 of who's going to have a foot up his ass. Yeah. But you know team. the Flyers, and we've talked about this also with the Phillies and the Sixers at times, maybe even sometimes the Eagles, but maybe we're too close because it's our team. They value their people too much. They mm-hmm. overvalue their, their guys. The Flyers are particularly, seems like they're guilty of this. But again, if we go back two years they won a first round playoff series. They went to game seven of this of the next series. And you know, they didn't play well in that game seven. And even the next season, they started off okay. And then they had that COVID thing, and the whole thing just went nuts. Yeah. So there, it wasn't that long ago that they were good. I, and I don't know how you go. I mean, injuries are part of it. Uh mm-hmm. the goalie, like you said, the goalie that COVID year, he just wasn't. Well, the COVID year, he his defense in front of him left him hanging out the yeah, dry. It wasn't all on him, but I know. But I think Tortorelli, look, he's going to preach defense. That's where he's going to come in here, mm-hmm. and and they're going. To, but he's going to kick ass. He's going to take names, and, and you know he's going to. But again, at some point, you look at these teams that are playing. I don't just mean the last two teams; they're obviously great teams. But I'm just talking about even maybe when you got to right. the second round of the playoffs. These teams all have guys. You're watching the games; they could. You know, and I'm saying we don't have any done. Nope. And I don't mean the superstars. I don't mean like McDavid or whatever. But I mean the last time the Flyers had a legitimate superstar. I mean when Drew, like when Drew, like in in his second, third, fourth year, he was legitimate. Right. He, I mean he was he was one of the best players in the league, no doubt. But then before that, you got to go back to uh, um, Eric and and even Leclerc. Right. And that's twenty years ago. Yep. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, it's the Flyers for crying out loud. Kevin, if you threw out 2010. Oh, there'd be a long drought. Yeah. Yeah. Too long. Too long for a franchise like 
like theirs. Um. All right, so that's the Flyers story. I'm sure we're going to touch on Tortorella. Well, what do you think, Tortorella? I mean, what do you think he's going to do? Uh, he'll make him entertaining. Yes, and they, and they need that. And they need they, that. They, um, yes, they do. I think he will provide structure, which is good. I don't mm-hmm. think there was a hell of a lot of structure with that team, even with Vigno. Uh-huh. Um, but the talent deficit is still there. And in the East, where you have the Islanders and you have the Capitals. and you have Rangers. Don't forget the Rangers. The Rangers got like five and Carolina and Tampa yeah. and yep. it's just so deep. Yeah. I mean, look, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh may be at the back end of their run, you know, with Malkin and, and well, Pittsburgh Crosby. and Washington. I think are teams that could be in transition soon. Yeah, but I think Washington's in a little better shape than Pittsburgh. But all right, maybe yeah. Pittsburgh's got by the way. That's the other debate. part of this, and I hate saying it. Tortorella. There's a history with Tortorella and the Penguins. Uh, he infamously called them their whining superstars. I don't care about that. No, but but for a when fa- you're the third but, worst team in the league, okay, I don't care about the Penguins. No, but we I'm saying up. if they're looking uh, to sell tickets, Mike, this town, I don't care about this town gets so wrapped up in in that kind of stuff that I'm sick of it. I, I understand care. you're sick of it, but I, it's going to sell tickets, and, and that is important so for them. What? So what? So you go out and you beat the Penguins, and you make a big deal about it, and then you come back and you lose to the Penguins the next time. Or the same with Washington. They make a big deal about beating. How about you just try to make the playoffs? And if you're beating the Penguins along the way, I understand about rivalries. I get it. But you know what? They've been bad for so long. I, you know, So, so I'm going to celebrate a win over the Pens if I lose my next four games. No, I mean that, that's the problem. It just adds time. a little juice to a franchise that's that has one of them. It's like Eagles fans used to be, you know, b- b- before. We're like, well, if we beat well, Dallas, the first year or two is going to be awful, Mike. I mean, well, well, it might not be totally awful. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, you know, they, they, when the coach came in three years ago, if they, they make they, the playoffs next year, it's a bonus, or even make a run at the playoffs. I'm not saying make the right. playoffs. I'm just saying don't be the third worst team in the league. All right, you know. Um, I was going to get into the Warriors, but to be honest, there's nothing to say. Congratulations. They kind of wore Boston down. Before you get into the Warriors, one thing about the Flyers and and, and the Sixers, because you, you've talked about this before, and the Phillies when Klintak was this These are organizational problems. Oh, sure. These, these are not. The Phillies had Klintak and what's his name for like five years. McPhail. And it set them back so bad. The Sixers had the process, and now they got this guy, Maury, who I think is overrated, but that's okay. We'll find out. We're getting a discount on Harden. We're only giving him $150 million. Yeah. I mean, really. And the Flyers, and you you know the Flyers. I mean, these are organizations. I'll give the Eagles credit for one thing. And I know how he, you know, has had mm. some bad drafts. But I'm telling you what, their organization, at least they kind of maybe sort of know what they're doing. They have a game plan. Whether it's yeah, the right I know or- they get stuck in the analytics too much and people, you know, whatever. Mm. The, the Eagles aren't perfect, but – the Eagles at least seem like, like you said, they have a plan. Um, I'm going to skip over to Warriors because, to be honest, it was a kind of nothing series. I, I just, you know, Boston turned it over a ton and gave the title to Golden State. But I want to get to the live. I want to, obviously, the U.S. Open. Well, one one thing, though, before you, if I hear one more person, and I know we do this, too, I hate this. Tell me about Steph Curry's place in the all time, that's why I didn't bring it up, Mike. Stephen A. I think Mike, I didn't bring it up. That's why. No, 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 no. Look, 
You know how I feel about this. Will Chamberlain's the greatest player to ever live. Uh-huh. I don't care if he's only got two championships and other people got more championships. Uh-huh. I don't care. Change the and game. Russell, Russell and Kareem are also, right. if you want, like, that's why I say they should be they should be set aside. You put those three guys over there. And Jordan. It, it, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is you put the three big guys over there. Uh-huh. Just like if you were going to have the best players in college basketball, the best three players in college basketball were Alcindor, uh, Walton, and Bill Russell. All centers. Now, am I supposed to put what Pete Maravich did against them when Pete Maravich scored like 9 million points or whatever? If you want to say that Steph Curry's the best little man that ever, I'm, but all we hear is these all-time great things. So Stephen A. comes out with something that says, well, this this knocks Wilt out of the top 10. Excuse me? Wilt out of the top 10? Excuse me, Stephen. You're wrong. And here's the problem with when you had guys like West and, and Oscar and Elgin mm-hmm. Baylor, who, by the way, was Dr. J before Dr. J, and they played way back when, and I get it. And I'm not saying that they're – to me, you've had five great players in the 2000s. You've had Tim Duncan, who gets underrated. You've had Kobe. You had LeBron. You had Steph. And you had um, Durant. Right. And Luka and Giannis can get in there. You know, another, whatever. They, they're still younger. But what I'm saying is they're all-timers. Mm-hmm. Now, are they in the top five of the all-time? Are they in the top ten? I'm just getting sick of these. Like, people will bring up to you. I love this argument. And I love Magic Johnson. I'm not like... I still think Larry Bird is every bit as good as Magic Johnson. That's me. Mm-hmm. I think Larry Bird's better than Steph Curry. That's me. Okay? But, and that's not meant as a dig at Steph Curry. I don't mean, he's great. He's the greatest shooter that ever played in the game. He's got four rings. I get all that. But when you, so so where do you put people? Like, like how do you say, well, this guy, how do you guard Larry Bird? I mean, how do you judge Larry Bird against Steph Curry? You can't. So people will say Magic Johnson has five titles and uh, three ring, no, five rings and five M- or three MVPs and five rings. Okay, Kareem has six titles and five MVPs. So why is Magic always considered better than Alcindor or um, Kareem? I don't get it, and I I'm of the opinion I get why people discuss these and because whatever it's but you can't just call them all timers. They're all in the top twenty or mm-hmm. whatever. And it, you know, if you think, um, who's to say that Oscar Robertson isn't better than all these guys? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Who the hell knows? But anyway, I just had a very because anybody that doesn't think Wilt Chamberlain was at least, at the very least, one of the best three players to ever play this game is just freaking nuts. And by the way, the two titles he did win, they were the best teams, that, or they're still considered two of the best teams in NBA history. And he did lose to Russell like six times because Russell was a winner and Russell had better teams. But that's okay. And, and it is pretty cool, though, what what the, the Warriors have cemented themselves as, you know, one of the great, great... I mean, Steve Kerr's got nine rings. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, thought, you know, but, I thought for a second I was listening to Sonny Hill, but okay. No, I'm just saying, why do people not... The guy averaged 50 and 25. I'm not arguing it, Mike. Well, other people apparently think that it never happened. It's a recency because bias. Most of the people didn't see Will. Well, then they should shut their mouth. Exactly. They That's why I hate those type of things. But then, Steve, they should shut their mouth. Or they should say, I didn't see these guys. Or whatever. You know, I never saw Jim Brown play. But from what everybody tells me, 
He Jim Brown was pretty good. Playoff. Jerry Rice and Jim Brown, probably the two best non-quarterbacks ever to play football. I get it. I'm not that. I, I love Steph Curry. He's an all-timer. Is Steph better than Kobe? Is is Kobe better than Duncan? I don't have the faintest idea. You know, Tim Duncan won five titles. So you know, whatever. He's probably he might be the best power forward ever to play the game. But whatever. All right, I want to get into a topic. We have about 10 minutes for this, okay? Uh, obviously, the U.S. Open going on this weekend. You know, the cut has been made, uh, and Rory is a stroke off the league. Colin Cor- Morikawa um, is in uh, for the tie for the lead with uh, John Dalman, right? Scheffler's in there, too. Scheffler is in there. Um, so pretty good leaderboard, but... The story of the weekend and the story really in golf, it's kind of eclipsed this, is this live versus the PGA Tour thing. With Phil now part of this, it's almost like a, you know, I'll use the wrestling term. I I don't know if you're a W. It's almost like the NWO from the WWE years. Uh, You know, this breakaway rebel kind of group, Dustin Johnson and all that. I haven't had a shot to ask you about this. What do you think about these guys, you know, kind of going, wearing the black hats now? They took money. You know, somebody offers you a lot of money, you take it. Now, the moral issue of it is, you know, should you be taking it from the Saudis? I don't have an answer, Kevin. I don't, you know, the 9 11 um, widows, right? Widows. Because I think 15 of the 19 people were Saudi. What a, look, the NBA does billions of dollars of, of things with China, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure before the war broke out, we did many things with Russia. Um, I, I don't have an answer, except if you see most of the guys they've got are old guys. You know, Ian Poulter, you know, is whatever he is, 46, 47 years old. He ain't. What's he doing on the PGA Tour? Well, and I, I was he just gonna. gonna I, I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at this leaderboard. How many of these guys are really in the hunt? Uh, but it doesn't, Kevin, they're not supposed. What I'm saying is, right. other than look, Phil's 52 years old. Okay, Phil's not going to compete on the PGA Tour anymore. Right, that's over. It's done. He won, I know he won the PGA right. last year, but what I'm saying, so somebody D- Dustin Johnson at one over, I think, is the highest one of them. But yeah, but it's not. You can't look at it that way. You can't. You can't sit there and go, well, boy, these guys didn't play well. So it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, and the other guy was Patrick Reed, are the three best guys, I guess, they got that are still relatively young. Dustin's 38, I think. Um, DeChambeau's only maybe, what, 30? I don't know what he is. 28, 29. Patrick Reed's about 31, 32, maybe. Maybe he's 30. But what I'm saying is most of the guys they got are guys that aren't you know, they're even talking about Ricky Fowler. What has Ricky Fowler done on the PGA Tour in the last five years? Now, he's popular. I get that. So, if you're this, I don't know what the end game is of this LIV tournament or uh, uh, circuit. I have no idea. Is there, Are they trying to put the PGA Tour out of business? Well, I don't know. And, that, and that's the question that, like, um, I get that the players want to have some leverage to maybe make some guaranteed money so that if you make if you miss the cut, you still have your expenses paid, whatever. I, I kind of understand. Oh, it's, about, it's about way more than that, Kevin. But it's that, way, that's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's about way it's, more than that. It's legacy. It's, you know. No, it's not about it. It's, 
Did you think Dustin? You don't think Phil Mickelson's legacy has been uh, soiled by this? So I'm not going to count the six majors anyone. Well, no, but I think a lot well, yeah, of his, a lot of his me. business you, brand. You just asked me if I think Phil Mickelson's going to be tarnished. There are a lot of people that are going to look at him as he was a greedy, whatever. Throw in whatever words you want. He's 52 years old, and somebody offered him 100 million. I don't know what they offered him. He's going to say no. That 200 million, yeah. He's going to say no. Well, there is principles. No, Kevin, 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 Kevin. He offered him $200 million or $100 million or $150 million. He ain't going to make that much money, you know, being on the senior tour. By the way, is he playing in Saucon Valley next week? I don't think so, no. Okay. I don't even know if there's an LIV event. No, that's two weeks. Yeah. See, and and the problem is, like I said, so if 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 the majors are going to let these guys play, well, that's okay. the that's the next question I was going to ask you. you well, know. so far they have. I mean, I, but the open US was open the, says, the open was a little tight time frame from when all this took place. The, but what they said was, if you're qualified to play, then you're going to play. I think it's pretty straightforward. And here's the, the pro, here's the problem going forward. If this is a year from now, mm-hmm. year and a half from now, let's say. And you are only playing on the LIV tour. You're not earning world points, world ranking points, as far as I can tell. Okay? I don't think they – like Martin Keimer didn't get world rankings points last week for winning the the 54-hole right. $4 million. Martin Keimer probably doesn't care about his world ranking points. But at some point in time, the way you get into the majors is through the world rankings. If you're not otherwise – um, Unless well, you qualified as like the champion of the Masters is automatically qualified, right, yeah, right. Um, or you go to local qualifying for the U.S. Open. The British Open also has local qualifying if you're not otherwise PGA of America. But like I said, I don't know how that's going to. I don't know if there's going to be lawsuits that are going to come out of this. But I understand where the PGA Tour is coming from. So if if you're Dustin Johnson and you get a hundred million dollars or whatever you're getting, and I don't know if he's getting whatever, and then you go play in these tournaments. And then some of these tournaments, like last week, let's say, for instance, last week. Darby's, so the Canadian. You don't, go, right. you don't go to the Canadian. You're playing in this. So you're hurting the Canadian Open. Okay? Now you're just allowed to come back, like, anytime you want, whenever there's not an LIV event, and play in it. And you don't make legacies by winning the Memorial or winning the Players' Championship or winning Arnold Palmer's tournament. You don't. You make your legacy on four tournaments a year. And if these guys are still going to be able to play in these four tournaments, you know, I mean, just you know, Brooks kept his brothers playing on the tour. He's he's playing on that tour. He's on the LIV. Yeah. So what's to say two or three, even as vocal as Brooks has been, let's say he doesn't win a lot for the next couple of years. Let's say his injuries are catching up with him, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the interesting thing is who's is there going to be a next wave of guys? You know, now I read a story today that said some of the names being mentioned, and again, this is pure speculation on somebody's part. This could be they mentioned Kepka. Ricky mm-hmm. Fowler's name has come up. Um, Kyle Morikawa's name has come up. Well, if you get a couple of those guys to go. Now you got problems if you're the PGA well, now Tour. You got problems. Yeah. But again, Kevin, what is the end game? Are you going to watch an LIV event? Are they going to be on TV? Are, you know, well, I, I don't have any- And what network is going to do business with the LIV? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I don't. 
have mm. the answers to these questions. I don't think the PGA Tour has the answers to these questions. No. But again, if if there's not a mass amount of defections, okay, and by by defections I mean guys in the top twenty five or guys in the top thirty. Then I I but again they have unlimited money. These guys have trillions of dollars. They're not worried about losing millions and billions of dollars. Mm. They don't care. Yeah. So the PGA Tour can't combat that. Because basically, for people that don't understand, the PGA Tour, basically, a lot of what the PGA Tour is, they give money to charity. Yeah. Each of these tournaments raises money. You know, like the BMWs coming to um, Wilmington in uh, August. It was at Aronimink a few years ago. I'm guessing that they're going to raise a couple million dollars that week for something, whatever it is. Now, I don't know if the LIV is giving money to charity. I don't, I, I don't know enough about the LIV. Right. I do know when you get and look, Bryson DeChambeau is a bit of an oddball. Um, the other guy, um, Patrick Reed's always been a little bit out there. I think one of the interesting things in all this, Kevin, is how it's going to affect the Ryder Cup. Yep. And the Presidents Cup. Now, again, they might not care. Like, like Patrick Reed might not. Now, last Ryder Cup, Dustin Johnson was five and zero. Okay, Patrick Reed, the two Ryder Cups before that, he was one of the U.S. best players. So. And a lot of these European guys, now they're older now, right. Westwood, Ian Poulter, um, you know, they were stalwarts of the of the Ryder Cup side. One of the guys, I think Graham McDowell, was going to be the captain. And now I, I don't know if he's going to be or not. Like, I, I don't – because I, I don't think we've heard anything. Now, the interesting thing is the PGA of America runs the Ryder Cup. Right. They also run the PGA Championship. Right. So if you're not going to let these guys play in the Ryder Cup, why are you letting them play in the PGA Championship? That's a good, I, I don't, that's a good question. I don't, I don't have an answer. Um, couple, but I tell you what, I, I, you know, Augusta's Augusta. Yeah, Augusta's a funny dude. Augusta's going to do what Augusta wants to do. Well, but and look, Phil's won there three times, right? Phil should be able to come for as long. And, and like looking at Phil this week, doesn't he look like like a lost child? Oh yeah. Like, and I get it. Look, you've lost four. I get it. Phil doesn't need the money. Nobody needs that kind of money, but when they throw it in front of your face, I mean, they, they supposedly, Kevin, offered Tiger a billion. Yeah. A billion. They offered Jack, supposedly, yeah, and I have no room for Greg Norman. Greg, Greg Norman, to me, is just, uh, yeah, he's been doing, he's been on this this thing for 35 years that there should be a world tour and, and all this kind of, okay, fine, whatever. If, if there's a problem with the PGA Tour, like Phil's been saying, I'm sure other guys, I get it. I, I'm not saying the PGA Tour is perfect, and when a lot of people forget about the PGA Tours, there's weeks where nobody cares about the tournament. Yeah, that's true. It could be the Zuri Classic, and you'll say to me, Mike, who do you like? I'll say, like, who's playing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, again, Kevin, this this is – I don't know how this is going to end. I, But I'll tell you what, it ain't going away. No, I it's don't not. Think, you know. And, and, but the one thing it's scare, uh, if that would scare me if I'm golf, this is both the PGA and the LIV. One, when the money – doesn't come back. What is the as you mentioned? What's the Saudis' game plan? That's what, what do you mean? Do, what do you mean the money doesn't like come when back? they don't get return on investment? They don't did, care. Well, Kev, Kevin, they they're not viewing this as an investment. I mean, I don't. What I'm trying to explain to you this is why you're paying five bucks for gas. The Saudis don't care. They've got trillions of dollars. So, so what is away. their motivation for this? That, well, I don't know, but what I'm saying is money will not be the reason why the Saudis at some point three years from now will say, oh, my God, you know, we spent 
We spent all this money, and what do we got to show for it? Now, they'll just say, uh, they, the money is not their issue. That's where I think the PGA Tour has a problem is because at some point... Oh, you're not going to outspend the Saudis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you're, you're a little too young. To be, but I remember when the AFL came... Now, it's different because they were teams. They weren't right. individuals. But when the AFL came along, and all of a sudden, Joe Namath's getting a $400,000 contract yeah. when $400,000 was like a zillion. And then the ABA came along. And then the um, what was the 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 one that merged with the NHL, the WHL or the, the WHA? Okay, so we had three leagues come along. Yeah. That eventually, the only one that we haven't seen in another league is baseball. Yeah. But again, uh, you know, I mean, and do you think like two years from now, what the Saudis and the PGA Tour are going to get together and merge? No. I mean, I don't that's why that. I'm having a tough time. Yeah, I'm I'm just having a tough time figuring. Like I said, and let, let's say for the sake of argument. Let's say 10 other guys in the top 25 defect. I'm using the word defect. Right. Does Rory at some point sit there and go, my God, I'm the only guy left? No, he would look, he would look like a fool if he went back. He He's kind of put his math too far out there. Well, so is Kepka. Yeah. I, I mean, there's there's a few guys that have put their mouth. Yeah. And, I mean, and look, I like Rory. I do. That, that comment he made last week about Norman was petty. It was. And it makes him look stupid. Yeah, it does. Words. I I think here you got to take the high road, but there is no high road. Let me uh, let me uh, b- before we go, a couple things. Uh, one, happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Uh, yeah, man, including Mr. Kern. Happy Grandfather's Day too. Yeah, exactly. Um, is, is there such a thing as a grandparents' day? I think there is. I think there is. I give them a nuts. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to the city of Philadelphia for earning a hosting role in the 2026 World Cup. Uh, you know, it's, it's a badge of honor for the city at the same time, shame on the city of Philadelphia because they let the army Navy game basically walk away. Uh, and yeah, I, I, what happened there? I, I just know that it's going to five different cities, but I, what happened? I, you know, you get different versions from different people, some people are going to blame the service academies for trying to market the game and squeeze every dollar they can and use it as a recruiting, recruiting oh, tool. Oh, like the LIV tour. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but, but what we're saying is that money rules everything in the world. But okay. to be honest, you know, it's great that the city's getting stuff lined up like the All-Star Game in 2026, the World Cup and all that. Well, they're going to get everything in 2026. Well, they didn't get the Army-Navy game in 2026. No, no, no. But, they, Kevin, if the only thing they don't get is the Army-Navy game, I mean, I, look, and supposedly they're getting it in 27, which is the, um, or 20, wait, wait, what did somebody, 26 I, is the 25th anniversary of 9-11. Right, right, right. 9-11, right. And, and, look, as a Philadelphian, does it feel weird when the Army-Navy game is not in Philadelphia? Yes. But as a person who just follows college football, I can understand, you know, it's like Notre Dame taking games around the country. Yeah, I you know, and they'll play, they'll play here. They'll, I understand, like, why they might want to have a game in Annapolis, why they might want to have a game up in New York. I, I get it. Five, I mean, five different venues in five years seems a little strange to me. Yeah, including then, Landover, which is a dump. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would have thought if you took one to the Washington-Baltimore area, that was enough. Right. But they're getting two. Yeah. Um. And I, I think maybe the fact that, that, that John F. Kennedy Stadium is not there. I mean, look, I, I look, I just associate the game with Philadelphia. But that's me. I'm a Philadelphian. And as far as the World Cup, it's funny. I was listening to somebody last night who made an interesting point. I'm not saying I agree or don't agree. But 
people get all, oh, we're getting to work. How many people really care about soccer? How many people really care? Oh, Mike, you're going <laughs> to. Kevin. I'm... Kevin, it's a small, I'm not, compared to other things. Getting a World Cup is a huge deal. I get it. Yeah. It's because it's an event. It's whatever. But what I'm just saying to most people, like if you said to me, Mike, do you want to go to that World Cup game? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess if I could get my hands on two tickets and they didn't cost $9 zillion. Which they will. Maybe, well, yeah. So so I won't. So I'll watch it on TV. I understand it will mean money for the city. And I watch the World Cup. I mean, I will. I like the World Cup because I, I'll watch it. But again, like, and I think Philadelphia should have gotten it, especially because it's the, the 226, it's the 250th anniversary of, of the country and everything. But my God, it, it's it's like, I just, I understand why non-soccer people will just sit there and go, like, if we got a Super Bowl, that to me would be bigger. I know to people in the world it won't be bigger. I, I understand that. And the interesting thing will be what games we get. Like, will we get a semifinal? Yeah, I, I don't know how many, and that and that hasn't been determined yet. That's are we only be. getting one game, Kevin? Or are we getting no? They're getting game? they're getting some rounds. Okay, I mean, look, if you said to me, and I don't think we'll get the final because I'm, I mean, I it's don't New York. Where, it is New York. It's not Sounds LA. like it's going to be New York, not L.A. No, it was surprising. They didn't take the Rose Bowl for L.A. They took SoFi. Uh, well, it's a new stadium. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. Didn't they have the final in '94? Was it L.A. Right? Yeah. So I think okay. they're going to put it in New York. And Chicago was the kickoff game because that was yeah, that and Chicago's not even one of those cities that's in it. Chicago, Chicago didn't, didn't get in. Chicago Man. didn't bid for it. That's the day of the uh, OJ Bronco chase. Yes, it was um, June seventeenth. Yes, it was. It, it, good, a really good thirty 20, for 30. 28 years ago today. Yes. Yeah, twenty eight years. God Almighty, cat. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I still remember because I was at the I was at the U.S. Open with Arnold Palmer um, at Oakmont, well, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were watching. We, we went out to the dinner. It was Arnie's last round. It, 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 oh, it was. It was. You know, and this thing's going on over in LA, and then the soccer thing was starting in Chicago. I mean, I think it'll be really cool. Preliminary games. Look, at games. I think it'd be really cool if they got like a semifinal or at least a quarterfinal. Well, every game, some kind of some kind of elimination game. And then, of course, the other part of it is, could you get a game where USA is actually playing? Wow. Every game. From the quarterfinals on is going to be in the United States. Uh, oh, okay. Me- Mexico and Canada will have everything else leading up to it. I got you. Okay. So okay. there's going to be enough. There's going to be enough games there. I look. Think. The U.S. is oh. So what you're saying is the U.S. because they might just play the, those three games. I mean, they got to qualify. They got to get out yeah. of the group. But there's 48 teams. That it's taken on a new shape in 26. Yeah. Okay. But if the U.S. gets through, and it, I mean, if you said to me, hey, the U.S. is going to be here playing somebody, like U.S. is going to be playing England or something, oh, then it takes on a whole, you know, if you tell me that Colombia is playing um, Portugal, okay, I, I get it. You might have Ronaldo, might be, you know, you might get some famous player. But, man, if you tell me the U.S.A. team is going to be in there, yeah, then it then it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, I mean, Dad, it, it, maybe it helps the union a little. I mean, the union seems like they're doing fine. Yeah, I, they, they get they have a fan following. They get you know they're good now. Um, but I'm just saying, Kevin, there's still a large segment of the population that really isn't like soccer centric. Their kids might play soccer. You know, I'm not saying that. I don't mean that. But I'm just talking about as a fan base when they get older. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. You know, it's still an NFL world, and it's a Phillies world, and it's a. You know, Flyers world, if the Flyers are ever relevant again. I mean, 
it's still it, I don't want to hear about that five for five. And yeah. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to step away. Take it up with Gargano on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. But I'm just saying is for me personally, and I'm but again, I watch the World Cup, but I don't you know, if the union won a championship this year, I I'd clap and say, Hey, way to go. But I'm not, you know, it ain't changing my life from no. like when the Eagles won a Super Bowl. No. All right, Mr. Kern, hope your golf game was good today. First nine, I, front nine, I played really well. And then the back nine, I just was making all kind of bogeys. I, I didn't make a putt all damn day, yeah. which happens. But, you know, uh, you know, bad day on the golf course, Kevin, yeah. is better than – hey, by the way, you know, the um, the sports writers are having their thing on August 8th. Yep. And you're talking about playing some golf. Uh, if I am not away, there's a chance I may be away that week. But if I am not, I would love to have you play with me. That's fun. You know, we'll go to Bow, we'll have a good time, we'll yeah. hit some golf balls, um, eat some food and yeah. whatever. We'll be there. Yeah, Sam Carcini does a really good job. Yes, he does. Together. Yes, he does. Uh, and I appreciate it. I couldn't make last year because uh the ShopRite Media Day was going on the same day. So so wait, hey, before we go. Yeah. So do you think right now, as we sit here, the Phillies are going to be in the playoffs? No. Okay, so you still think that because it's just going to take too many wins? Is that what you're saying? I, I just I think the path is too difficult. I think their holes are still very glaring. Um, but they're winning anyway. Yeah, but they're also playing weaker opponents. I mean, at some point, the but schedule does turn. But they're going to be playing a lot of these weaker opponents the rest of the way. Yeah, but you get also the Braves next week. You get the Cardinals over the 4th of July. Yeah, I hear you. I mean. But, the, but see, I don't think they're going to. See, the way we look at it, and it's not football, so we can't do it. They're not going to lose all those games either. No, but. but I mean, they're, they're not going to win every series for the rest of the year. But if the number is 92 or 93, I don't think they get there. I just see, don't. I, think nine, I, think, I don't think the number is going to be that high. I think the number will be about 88, 89, which still may be too high. And, and look, they just need to – they've needed stability, and that's what they've gotten a little bit here. Hey, so, look, two weeks – Kevin, three weeks ago, every time I listened to a Phillies game, oh, whatever, right, I, look at this, I was just thinking of a way they were going to screw it up. Yep. I'd be sitting there going – but now it's like the opposite. I feel the opposite. I'm like, okay, they're going to figure out a way to win. But I, here's the amazing thing. I love this about fans. So during the streak, the Phillies have won like three games. They won the game in Milwaukee. They won the start home run game and the game the other night with the backup catcher. Stubbs. Right, Stubbs. Games they stand no business winning. Right? Yes, they trust me. I was writing I was writing on deadline for the uh, Stubbs homer. Okay. So then when they lose a game that you don't think they should have lost, everybody's like, well, they shouldn't have lost that game. Dudes. How about the three games they won that they shouldn't have? Like nobody counts that. Like it's it's it, and they all to me they all kind of even out. Yeah, like they if do. you play 162, but again, I love to hear fans. It's like when they lost that one game the other night when the the pitcher came in the closer, it's not the closer anymore. He, you know, he loaded the base. Oh, this, okay, fine. He couldn't throw a strike. His arm's probably hurting. But oh, we shouldn't have lost that game. Okay, but you won three games in the last week and the last at bat, the last strike. Yeah. <laughs> for, for crying out loud, so just. Except the fact that they're thirteen and two, and for you know, uh, and yep. you know, accept it for what it's worth. And your season was over. You know, your season was over. You're waiting for the Eagles to start training camp, and now the season's not over. 
you know, you didn't even ask me about the Sixers. <laughs> no, no, I'm staying away from that. I'll, I'll leave you with one quick thought. You watch the final, and look, I know things can happen. I don't know what their offseason is going to be like, What, whatever. You watch some of these teams playing at the end, and I know the Celtics didn't play great. By, this by the way, I, I literally just bit my tongue watching the Nationals tie the game in the ninth as we were talking. Go ahead. They were up 6-5? They were up 6-5, Veerling homered, and then a throwing error. Veerling's got two home runs tonight. Yeah. And and Gregorius had a throwing error. Uh, on a on a ball that Hoskins didn't come off the bag on. Kevin, <sighs> ultimately, you're right. Ultimately, I mean, ultimately, now their defense and their bullpen are going to kill them. And they might. And Alvarado's the guy in. Yeah, but, but right their now, defense so. is going to give up. Things and when you're playing big games in September or God forbid October, yeah, at some point they're going to kill you. Yeah, but what I was going to say about the Sixers was you watch these teams that were and look, I give the Celtics all the credit in the world. They came back to beat the Bucks. They beat they 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 won. They beat Miami, and I think they just ran out of gas a little against a really team, a veteran team that kind of knew what they were doing. Okay, the Sixers can't beat any of those teams. I mean, really. Like, I'm looking at the Sixers couldn't have beat Phoenix. They couldn't have beat Golden State. Um, I won't say they couldn't have beat Dallas because they. I don't think they could beat Milwaukee. They didn't beat Miami. And I don't think they could have beat the Celts. So, what's my hope? That between now and next year, all of a sudden they're going to figure out a way to get past the second round? How is that going to happen? You tell me. It's not. <laughs> that's not what they're thinking. I know, but it's not. So um, this is why I'm look, the drafts that, next week. It's a fair, it's a fair, they're, oh, they're not, they're not making that draft pick. No. There's no way, no way on God's green earth. That, that, that pick is getting traded. They, they want to bring a veteran in. Yep. Um, I understand. I mean, I get it. I, yeah, I get it. The, whoever they would have drafted probably wasn't going to help them a real, real lot next year. Um, but man, you talk about like the, the Phillies. I know we talk about so the Phillies as much as they've been on a roll. They got holes, right? Yeah. Center field, you know, bullpen, whatever. The Sixers got holes. Yep. And they got the guy who finished second in the MVP the last two yeah. years. I mean, geez. Uh, let's go Eagles. No, yeah. no, no, no. I can move. No, let's go Phillies. The Eagles put put the Eagles. You know, three months from now, I'll start worrying about the Eagles. Yeah. All right, Michael. Yeah, baby. All right. All right. You, don't have to go to, you don't have to go to school anymore, do you? No, I've, I've been off for a week and a half. Oh, my God. You've been off that long? Yeah. Jeez, okay. Okay, so, hey, we got to go golfing, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Okay, we'll figure it out. Yep. All right. Thanks, Mike. Okay, babe. Take care. Our thanks to Jason Stark for joining us. Our thanks to you for joining us. Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day. This is Work in the Beat.